Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. It's episode 35. I genuinely can't quite believe that we're getting up into these high numbers because when I first started this podcast, I didn't know what it was going to become. I didn't know what was going to happen. But thanks to everyone like yourself that's listening in at home, it's we're getting up through these numbers and soon we're going to be at 50 and then even soon after that we're going to be at 100. So like, what the fuck? But... Back to today's episode, I am joined by a guest that I can't even comprehend that has been on my podcast. Anybody that knows me will know that I am a massive fan of Peter Pan. And this week, I am joined by the man behind the voice of Peter Pan in Disney's Peter Pan Return to Neverland. Please welcome to the podcast, Blaine Weaver. <laughs> Drama school dropout, no graduation day for you. Drama school dropout, thought your whole course, now try something new. Drama school dropout. Hello. Iconic, that's a good intro. Hello, it's very good to see you. You are absolutely iconic. How's LA, my favorite city in the world? Is it really? Uh, it's good, actually. I just relocated here last year from New York. Uh, I've been in L.A. forever. Like I went to UCLA. I, you know, uh, cut my teeth out here and then I moved to New York for about four or five years. And now I'm back. And uh, I love it way more this time. Oh, uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's always 75. You know, it's like the weather is amazing. Yeah, I live in Scotland. Um, I'm going to see if I can twist you. Uh, near oh, the you moors. Can't, can't quite see. <laughs> um, but it's a gray day. It's like... Yeah. I went to walk out in shorts and a t-shirt today and I was like, nope. Like, I absolutely loved LA. I went for 10 days when I was 19. And you know when people are like, I got to this place and it just felt like home. I would always be like, shut up. No, no, it didn't. Like, you are lying. Like, you're just being a twat. And <laughs> I got to LA and for some strange reason, I never got lost. I always knew where I was going, even though I didn't. Like, I had no idea. I just fell in love with the place. That's awesome. Well, so, you're welcome back anytime. We're all opening up now again, you know, thank God. Um, you know, the city is coming alive again. So come on back. Well, I've said by the time I'm 30, I want to live there. Great. Great. It's a great place to live. There's... But I mean, that was because you had Trump and I didn't really fancy Trump. So No, maybe... nor I. <laughs> nor I. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a rough time continues to be in many ways yeah you well you got rid of him we've still got our trump yeah well that, that's true but we've got some uh trump worshipers that uh i'd like to get out of positions of power <laughs> as well but uh we'll see knock on wood right oh, it's all fun and get, like genuinely like we are having such a rough time at the moment because we're like struggling to get theaters and things open and our government are just twats <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh but moving on to happier things, what I like to ask yeah. everyone that comes on the podcast is how did you get into acting and what was your first ever role? Well, uh, ironically, uh, I got into acting uh, as a child doing uh, children's theater in my hometown of Bossier City, Louisiana, uh, which you wouldn't think uh, knowing the, the, Louisiana, the United States South that there would be a lot of theater. But in Shreveport, Louisiana, there were like three or four theaters. They were all community theaters, but like there's plenty of opportunity to get on stage. And there was a uh, children's theater called Peter Pan Players. 
ironically enough. And so I started acting with them when I was five years old. And I did three shows a year from five until I was about 15. And then I started doing theater with the local colleges and high school and stuff like that. Um, and then when I was, um, I don't know, 17, I guess, I started driving to Dallas, Texas, which is about three hours away from my hometown, uh, because they had a small film community there. And so whenever they wanted, Hollywood was looking for somebody with a Southern accent, they would audition in Dallas, among other places. And I started booking actual real jobs from that. So uh, I did a couple of TV movies and stuff when I was in my teens. And then I moved to Los Angeles and, you know, I continued acting. Never looks back. Never look back. Yeah, it's, it's just been uh, ongoing since then of like whether it's acting and then I got into writing and then uh, had a bad experience with a director. So I began directing. So, uh, you know, just doing it all because I love the, the business so much. I, I didn't actually plan on asking you this, um, but just with you bringing it up there, me and one of my best friends who also happens to be the co-producer of this podcast, Heather Spiden, we wrote a play and we're putting it on next year. And we are Great. first time directors, first time producers, all of that jazz. We're doing everything ourselves. Do you have any advice for a first time actor, a director, sorry? My, my advice is really just good job. Um, creating your own content is really the thing to do right now. I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Renaissance person, you know, like, uh, I, I always called it the shotgun approach to, uh, you know, this business of like, do everything, learn as much as you can and, you know, keep going. And, you know, uh, producing is about building a team of the best people you can possibly find and then allowing them to do their thing, you know? Um, yeah. it's, it really is about people, I think. You know, like uh, I, people always ask me what my favorite thing is, whether it's writing or directing or acting or whatever. And the truth is, I love acting in other people's things and I love writing things for other people. Uh, but my favorite thing is directing a piece where I can pull the team together. And if there's a part for me to play, play that. But it's like I've built everybody. Everybody trusts me. Yeah. And it's exactly the person I imagined in that part. And then I can listen to their feedback on the script and make it better and you know um because i know i'm infallible not infallible when it comes to writing and stuff so it can always be better and i think that's the producer advice is to listen you know to the talented people you have make your own decision obviously sometimes you're not going to agree with them but like hear them out because they've been around the block hopefully yeah i mean we've got a shoestring budget so it's literally us me and heather and the cast <laughs> it's amazing well have a great time you know like that's that's so so much fun talking about like writing and things i only recently found out that you just wrote the new american pie girls rule yeah like, yeah that, what was that, that, was that like working in that sort of massively iconic famous franchise it was awesome it was so great it was like uh you know uh I, what's funny is uh the original american pie i had auditioned for you know one of the lead characters and gone back several times because it's just almost exactly my age range you know where i was a teenager when that movie came out um but i think it's it's such a big title you're signing up for when you go in and i was hired to to be brought on to do like a polish on the script that existed and i went in and like most writers i think i was just like look i think this needs a complete overhaul you know i feel like we're missing some opportunities here to do something really great and the you know american pie girls rules is you know flipping the script and it's about you know a group of four female friends and stuff and i'm like you know i want to talk to a, as many uh young 
comedians, you know, women as we can find and get feedback and let them rip my script apart and, you know, make it better. So it was a fantastic experience. And Universal was all behind, you know, like the the new ideas and kind of grounding it a little more. But I'm really happy with how it turned out. Like, you know, it's funny, silly, you know, high school, you know, sex comedy. Yeah. Which, you know, what could be wrong with that? you've done so much like you've done you've worked for disney just to name a few american pie uh ncis do you have like a biggest what the fuck is happening moment i've got so many of those of like oh my god this is crazy like you know one day uh i was directing a movie called weather girl and uh from a script that i'd written and my producing partner and i walked on set and it was the first day that mark Harmon was there and i was just like oh man what am I doing? And he's like, I don't know, but you better start acting like you know what you're doing. Uh, Cause I, I had worked with Mark Harmon on NCIS as, you know, just a day player or whatever. And, you know, I thought he was awesome. And then, you know, cast him in that, but like, I had this moment uh, with, you know, Peter Pan where I was, I, I, I was convinced, uh, constantly convinced I was going to get fired from that uh, because there was a lot of turnover. And I was like, no, nah, they're going to fire me and replace me with Michael J. Fox or somebody famous. And, uh, and then it was like November and I happened to be in my hometown and I went to the movies and I saw the trailer for Return to Neverland. I'm like, hey, that's me. They used me. I yeah. actually really thought that they were just going to kind of cut the ties. But it was the beginning of like a really long and fruitful uh, relationship with Disney, which I'm very thankful for. We're going to talk about Peter Pan in a little bit, because like I told you before we started recording, all time favorite Disney film I, it, it is my favorite. I've got a Peter Pan on my desk. I've got a Peter <laughs> Pan above my desk. And if I wasn't an actor and didn't have to, like, because we all get told don't get tattoos until you've sort of got an established career. Right, right. I'd probably have a Peter Pan tattoo, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but what I also always like to ask is if you were booked to do a one month, month run in a West End show, in a two person show, and you could pick anyone with no financial restraints to be a co-star. Who would you pick? Oh, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, anyone. That, that's so hard. There's so many really talented people that I would love to work with. Um, but like, you know, who always pops in my head is I'd love to wa- work with Robert Downey Jr. You know, I just yes. think he's so uh, alive and crackling and interesting. And just to be opposite that energy, I think would be really educational. Um, yeah. But I, I'd go with him. I did, I did a play uh, last year called The Steady Rain. Um, that's a two-person play that uh, was such a fun experience. But like the original cast of that was Hugh Jackman and Daniel Craig. You've got a new film coming out. Well, I think it's out uh, called The In-Between. And it's starring Mindy Bledsoe yeah. and Jennifer Stone. I really hope I pronounced your names correctly. Uh, I've done that before. Yeah, great. Um, And it's now available on DVD and video on demand at www.inbetweenmovie2019.com. So a little plug there. Go and check it out, everyone. I watched the trailer the other day um, and I'm going to get around to watching it. I've just had a massively busy week where I haven't had time to do anything. But I watched the trailer. You need to make your to-do list there. Oh, my to-do list. It's not a to-do list. It's a novel. Um, (laughs) But I watched the trailer and it seems like one of those films, and I can hands down say this now without shame and embarrassment because I've said it so many times on the podcast. I'm not a fan of films. They're just too long for me, like to sit down in one sitting. Oh, really? It seems like the kind of film that I want to watch. I hope so. It's a a really great film. I've worked with Mindy, who's the, you know, writer, director, you know, actress, uh, on many things. Are you familiar with Jennifer Stone's work from Wizards of Waverly Place? Wizards of Waverly Place, Mean Girls 2, I want to say. Hey, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's a phenomenal she's actress. Good. She's a phenomenal yeah, actress. she's awesome. 
I think that's one of the, I sort of put, get drawn to films. Not I like I love the story of films. And I love real people's stories. Like now in sort of my I don't want to say old age, but like as I've grown up, I've sort of drawn away right. from the fantastic fantastical side of things. And one of the main things that I love is a real person's real story. Yeah. Well, this is that for sure. And it's like and Jennifer Stone and I, I worked with her in a movie called Santa Girl, which uh, I made a couple of years ago, which is a fun family Christmas movie on Netflix or Amazon, if you feel like checking it out. Um, but I mean, Jen we'll, and we'll I plug out all of the plugs. <laughs> I give all the plugs. But I made that movie with Jen and Mindy was editing that movie. And so when we all got back to L.A., they met and hit it off and they brainstormed this movie and they wrote it together. And then they shot it on the road of America. So it's very much a road trip, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, America experience where they're learning about each other and, you know, talking about their struggles along the way. But uh, really worth checking out. They, they brought me on as a producer, you know, uh, post, you know, to kind of get it out there into the world. And I'm very happy to. I think it's a lovely film. Oh, no, the, the trailer looks absolutely immense. And all of the details will be in the show notes below. And I am, I've got a free week next week. So I will. Yes. Uh, I will be getting. You got to do chocolate. Santa Girl into, in between, into American yeah. Pie. <laughs> and then just for old time's sake, Peter Pan 2. Um, but yeah. It's like, never too, it's never too late to do Peter Pan 2 again. Oh, Peter Pan. I'll be watching that on my deathbed. Like <laughs> I um I don't have a DVD player, so I've I've got them all on DVD, but I just I sold my PlayStation because I didn't use it. And I was like, oh, I really want to watch it like in the middle of lockdown. And I was like, I'm I'm not buying a DVD player, so I'll just pay for Disney Plus and I've watched Peter Pan on it and then never used it ever again. Um <laughs> But when you were saying about that road trip there, how it's like a road trip movie, I, I've got a funny story to tell. I um recently like a lot of castings are on Facebook in Scotland, like if you don't have an agent or if you're unrepresented, that sort of thing. Uh -huh. And I was reading this casting call and I was like, I could do that. That's a really cool character. Like that's actually fits me pretty well. So I sent all the info off and I was waiting to hear back. And he was like, yeah, just before we um, do all this. And I sent the tape off and that, and then I, I got offered the role. And then he was like, just to double check, you do have a driver's license. And I was like, no, is this, do I have to drive? And I went back and I was like, oh, I missed that. I missed that oh, wow. in the brief. I was like, I'm really sorry. I don't have a driving license. It's like, I'm so sorry to waste your time. That's so frustrating. I was like, I'm so sorry. Oh. Um, but yeah, like that's the kind of stupid shit that I do. <laughs> the reason that I sort of knew of you massively, especially through growing up and things, is because you were the voice of my childhood hero. You were Peter Pan. And I, I actually, it was two o'clock in the morning when you um, sent the email back here and I was still up just working. And I got the email back and I was like, I had to sit for a minute. And I phoned my mom and my mom was in bed at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, Peter Pan's coming on my podcast. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I'll phone you tomorrow. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's, uh, look, I'm happy to be here because to me, he was my favorite Disney cartoon. Like, uh, to me, it's kind of like playing James Bond or Indiana Jones yeah. or Superman. You know, it's like this this role that's way bigger than I am that I'm just happy to, you know, get to carry that mantle for a little bit because, 
you know, it's great. It's it's great messaging. You know, it's a, a, a character that's, you know, a little flawed, a little maybe arrogant, you know. But I mean, like, everyone uh, is, aren't they? Yeah. But like, you know, this this whole try to never grow up and find the joy and, you know, childhood into your elder years, I think is it's something I relate to a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great message. And he's also just so fun. He gets to fight pirates. Come on, yeah. you know, do that. So what was the audition process for like like for that? Because I can't imagine that was a, a walk in the park. And it was a complete and utter fluke, to be honest with you. Like um, if I tried to orchestrate it, it never would have happened. Basically, I went into my, I was living in Los Angeles and I went to my agent's office in Beverly Hills. And sometimes you just drop in, you know, to remind them that you, you're alive and stuff. <laughs> and I didn't have an appointment. I just came in and I'm like, you know, is Wendy available? Her name is Wendy, which I think is funny. Uh, and, uh, you know, they took me back there and I'm like, look, I just haven't been on an audition for a while. You know, is everything okay? Like, and she looks at her desk and she's like, here, uh, go down the hall to voiceover and audition for this. And I'm like, okay. So I took it and I went down the hall to the voiceover department, which is a completely different world. Like they really don't know anything about the talent basis in the other places. Yeah. Um, and they were auditioning for Cubby because they were voice matching all of the original Peter Pan voices. And in the original film, Cubby was voiced by a, a grown man who was doing kind of a goofy kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it sounded very much like Goofy the dog. Um, and so I started doing that audition and I just felt so silly because I'm not an impressionist. I'm not a, <laughs> you know, voice guy. So I, I'm an actor, you know, and it's like, so I was like, actually, I feel silly doing this, but I can do a kid. Do you have Peter? Because like, I've seen that movie six million times. Like I literally can hear, hear it in my head. And they're like, yeah, we haven't cast Peter yet. So I did one take of Peter and then I left. And something like six weeks later, I got a call from an unknown number and they were like, is this Blaine Weaver? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, this is, uh, you know, my agency's voiceover department. Do we represent you? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm over in the theatrical department. I just wandered over there one day. And he's like, Disney's been looking for you. And we had no idea who you were. So <laughs> come in and, you know, do this callback. And that was it. And then I, you know, went in for one callback and they booked me. But this is kind of why I felt insecure about the role the whole time is that they kind of reserved the right to replace everybody, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it wasn't like we had to jump through so many hoops because I was going to be the lead of a, you know, TV show and they were going to drop all this millions of dollars. I was basically a placeholder if they decided I wasn't right and they could just replace me with whoever they like. So, um, yeah, I but they did. They didn't. So. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. Well, thank you. Is, is that like, I'm trying to think of the correct wording. Does that hold like a massive weight on your shoulders knowing that you're part of such an iconic Disney legacy? I mean, in a way it does. Like, you know, I guess when you think about it, that is built around protecting the property, you know? Um, like for instance, every time I record Peter Pan, they use the same 1950s microphone. Like they ship this thing. If the house recording house doesn't have it, then they ship it to where yeah. it's going because that's how Peter Pan is recorded. Um, you have multiple layers at Disney character voices that are watching out for the integrity of the, the shoot. So. You know, I might say something like, you know, I don't think Peter would say it this way. I think he would say it this way. You know, maybe he'd be like, ah, oh, geez, you know, and do that mm. instead of this. And they, sometimes they'll agree and sometimes they won't. But like my job is really just to kind of harness pan and, you know, uh, work with the creatives. I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying about producing. 
if you can do it like Disney does it, as far as like protecting each other and the you know content where you're all working together and it's collaborative, um, at least that's how Disney Character Voices does. You know, I know Disney is this giant monstrosity, but I I feel it's very personal in the Disney Character Voices. They don't. Uh, it's not anonymous, and I have very little power to screw it up. I feel. Yeah, um, D- Disney. Uh- are really good with that sort of thing and they um even if you like if you watch tiktoks there's lots of x character performers on tiktoks from the just the disney parks and the the steps that they take to protect those character the characters and the character character integrity is absolutely mental so i could probably imagine it's also a bit of a hassle to work for them <laughs> but saying that disney if you want to give me a job i'll say yes I got, yeah, I got no complaints at all. I love it. And, you know, it's like, I still, you know, do go in, you know, once, once every two to six months or something, there'll be some job and um, I'll go in and I'm like, what is this? And they're like, it's a fireworks show or it's, you know, for one of the restaurants on the cruise line. It's like, whatever. It's, you know, always fun. And playing Peter is nothing if not fun. Like I'm just yelling and <laughs> squealing and giggling the whole time. You know, it's a, it's really fun. So is there no chance of a third one? Has that not come about yet? I mean, you can't tell us even if there is, can you? You know, I never have any idea. <laughs> I, I I probably couldn't. Uh, as far as I know, there's not. But the, the truth is, is that, you know, I, I serve at the pleasure of Disney. So, hey, you up for this? Or if they would go through a whole new process of seeing if I'm still the right guy for it, I don't know. Um, yeah. But right now, uh, as long as uh, I get the call, I'm going. No, I I would probably, well, I mean, I'd probably do it for free, but I couldn't do what you do. Um, Before we stop talking about Peter Pan, I have one slight request and you can feel free to say no. Could you just say my name in Peter's voice? (laughs) Let me see Uh, if if I can. Feel Uh... free to say no. Hi everyone, this is Editing Ingram, and I think I'm editing this pretty well for you to not realise that I was having a bunch of internet issues while I was recording this. Genuinely, it would cut off for like five minutes, and Blaine was so massively amazing, despite all of this, and was really accommodating, and I was so embarrassed. But what you are about to hear is me missing my childhood hero saying my name in the voice of my childhood hero. So please feel sorry for me and scroll down and leave this podcast a rating and a review because I could have heard the actual voice of Peter Pan, who is like an icon and a literal childhood hero, say my name in Peter Pan's voice and my fucking internet cut out so please subscribe to the podcast leave a rating and a review make me feel a little bit better about this absolutely devastating loss and back to the episode but we've got a new segment on the podcast and it's called what if um so in this new segment we're talking about the roles or projects that you'd love to be a part of if you fit the criteria so for example what role would you love to play if you were a woman? Oh, I was a woman. Oh, interesting. Uh, good question. I think um, there's lots of great ones. You know, I, I would love to have done the performance that Holly Hunter did in Broadcast News. That's a little dated. Yes. But uh, she was great in that movie. Um, and it was such a cool, weird part. 
Yeah, I like that. Um, and then what role would you love to play if you were a child? You know, this is really opinion. Uh, well, maybe the Titans show is doing it pretty well, but I'd like to play Robin. I always wanted to play Robin. Yeah. The boy wonder, you know, Batman and. And what role would you love to play if you were older? Um, I, I, you know, I feel like I would be very proud of myself if I could do a King Lear someday, you know? Um, uh, you know, I haven't really gotten to sink my teeth into any like Shakespeare as far as like major roles and stuff. I actually, I studied at Oxford University for a summer yeah, one, you know, one of the high points of my youth, you know, but um, but yeah, like when I think older, King Lear, like you know, I I would love to have played um, uh, uh, Walter White on Breaking Bad. Um, he's not that much older than me, but a little bit. Um, but w- what a great role! Mine would be Captain Hook. Yeah, man. Oh well, hey, I tell you, I did this thing that was one of the most fun things of my career after doing Peter Pan for 15, 20 years or whatever it's been. Um, I did uh, Hook or uh, Black Stash in the the comedy, um, uh, uh, the Peter and the Star. I can't remember Starcatcher. Peter and the Starcatcher, yeah. which is a really funny, you know, Broadway show. But the the part for Black Stash, which who becomes Hook, is like the most fun, giant, overacting. Uh, role yeah. in the whole thing and uh, I got to play that after having listened to Corey Burton do um, Hook for years and years and years like he's this amazing voiceover artist so it's like my on stage hook had a lot of that Disney animation hook in it and that was <laughs> yeah. so cool I love and that. then to sort of cross over because you've just sort of answered the question but what Shakespeare character would you love to play well, Hamlet's my favorite. Hamlet is one that I would love to play, but I think I'm too old for Hamlet now. Um, but uh, I'll take I'll take any of them. It's all pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Another question for What If is what TV show would you love to be a part of that has ended? So Friends, Big Bang Theory, Ugly Betty, that sort of thing. Uh, well, you know, I already mentioned Breaking Bad, which I loved, but uh, I don't know if you remember NYPD Blue. It's an old, that, that's when I was young. I've heard uh, of it. But it was gritty and cool right when it first came out. I, I would love to be a part of that. Or, um, you know, Seinfeld has such a great uh, collection of co-stars or guest stars or something like that. That would be a fun one to have on the resume of like, you know, oh, there's Blaine Weaver. From- <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for the money, I would choose Friends to be part of like yeah, the OG6 sure. for the money. Um, right. But if I was doing something that I genuinely loved... It would be a British sitcom called Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps. Oh, I'm not familiar. Oh, it's honestly, if you can get BBC, it is one of the most funniest, irreverent British TV shows. And it's really new. Well, in the grand scale of things, it's 20 years old, but it's like really new compared to everything else. The writer, Susan Nixon, who's been a guest on the podcast, is a genius. Like an absolute, she's just a genius. So I would 110% recommend Two Pints Log and a Packet of Crisps. And if I wasn't going to choose that, the British version of Shameless. Mm. Awesome. I, I've only seen the American version of Shameless, but I would check that out for sure. The British Shameless, and I'm not just saying this because I'm like biased. The British <laughs> is 10 times better than, the, it was like the in-betweeners. The yeah, British I will take your, your opinion on that as, as fact. If my research, or as I like to call it, legal stalking is correct, you're a theatre lecturer and director in residence at 
Shenandoah University. I hope I just didn't butcher that. What's no, it like? Great. What's it been like teaching, and especially during this massive worldwide little thing called a pandemic? It's been incredibly surreal. The whole thing has been surreal, to be honest with you. Um, like you know, like I said, I lived in Los Angeles forever, and then I lived in New York for you know several years, and then um, I directed this movie, Santa Girl, in Virginia. And uh, there was a collaboration where we shot the movie at this university. And I made friends there and, you know, worked with a lot of, um, you know, film students that Shenandoah has a conservatory there that's uh, amazing. So great actors, great musicians, great dancers, all that kind of stuff. So um, they asked me to do this artist in residence thing. So I was like, sure. So I spent a year, you know, there, living there, teaching there. I made another movie there. Um, but like I, two years before that, I never would have assumed that would be something I would do. I had yeah. never been to Virginia in my life. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, don't, I'm not, uh, whatever, I don't have my doctorate or whatever. So, yeah. but you can teach what you know, and, uh, it's been fantastic. I love working with young talent and kind of my whole thing that I try to teach is all the things I didn't know the first time I got the set. Um, I'll just try to prepare them for what it's really like so that they're not terrified, you know, um, yeah. when they get their first job. But now we're coming to the end of the podcast and we're going to play a little game and it's the drama school dropout game and it's called stage right or stage shite. So I'm going to give you three crazy theater acting related stories. They're all sent in by our listeners uh, two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And one of them is a lie made up by our producer, Heather. I don't know. I'll play along. I've got it in a little so two, sealed envelope. Two of them, two are, the of truth, them are true. And one okay, of them great. is a lie. So number one, in our college, yeah. there was a girl who was universally disliked. And for one, of our assess for one of our assessments, we had to find and perform a monologue all on our own with no direction from the lecturer. The only other rule was that it had to be a brand new piece that we had never worked on before. As it happened, the disliked girl happened to be off that day and I volunteered to let her know what we had to do. When I told her, I failed to mention the rule about never having worked on it before. And I had a great time watching her get up, perform and get ripped to pieces when she presented a monologue our lecturer had personally directed us in a month before. Oops. All right. So do I make the call now or do I hear everything? Once you've heard all three. Okay. Okay. So number two, I missed my holiday in Ibiza because I was in a show that had a bar in. And in between shows, me and my friends decided to dance on the bar like they do in Coyote Ugly, and I fell and broke my ankle. <laughs> Number three, my sister was in a play at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and the day after her 19th birthday, she was performing, and she was extremely hungover, and she forgot her lines during her scene with a marriage counsellor, and she just decided to get up, announce that she didn't feel well, and had to leave. She left the stage promptly, and we all heard her vomit in the wings. That scene ended early. Uh, see, I would be so angry if an actor did that to me. I would be, oh, I'd be so, so pissed angry. off. Um, I have to say that's the made up one. I, that's my, my guess is that C is the stage shite. See, I, I don't know. Like, I'd probably still go to Ibiza if I had a broken ankle. See, that's a very good point. That's I don't think you'd point. be stopping me because especially Ibiza is like an expensive holiday. I'm not wasting that money. 
Yeah, I need. I feel like I need more information about the play that she was in when she gets up and walks out because, like, I could see it if it was a collection of one acts or something like that. But if like you're do you know we're doing How's Virginia Woolf and you get up and just walk out, I would, I would fight somebody for that. I would be so angry. I can't imagine the the other cast and what they would do. You stay on stage and you throw up in a bucket is what you do. <laughs> I I can totally believe the first one because I would have done that. Right. I would have put someone in the shit. No, that I, I didn't like people messing with each other and they get in trouble with their professors. That seems very doable and true. Yeah. But it's between like, I wouldn't, it literally says I missed my holiday in Ibiza. I'd still be going. All right. I'm just, I'm going to stick with mine though. Yeah, just because I'm gonna go I want to be mad. If, I want that not to be a real person. I'm going to go for number two because right. I would be in Ibiza in a cast. Right. Number three. Yeah, I'm just like disappointed that that girl didn't go to Ibiza. I I know, poor girl. Why didn't what she? What kind go? of wet wipe are you? Get it doesn't matter if you're in a cast. Get yourself on a plane, and sit around the pool with a drink in your hand all week. Very true. Get one of those plastic inflatable dudes on yeah, your uh, like, on your ankle. You'll be fine. Why would you miss out on? But then also, I'm kind of happy that she didn't leave the rest of her cast in the shit. Yeah, absolutely. I did a play once where I got sick in the middle and. Uh, there's a quick change and I ran off and I threw up and I came back and finished. Um, and you know, all, when something like that happens on stage, everybody supports each other. You know, everybody's like, I just, I'm here for you. What do you need? And I've had so many theatrical experiences where it's like, we have each other, you know, yeah. like somebody just getting up and leaving that, that would be <laughs> a deal killer for me. I'm like, no, sir. But we've come to the end now. Thank you so much for coming on. Genuinely, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, I'm a massive, like I've been a fan of you for since, well, Peter Pan 2 Return to Neverland was the first ever film that I saw in the cinema. So thank you so much for having me. It's great talking to you. And, you know, uh, this is awesome. So hopefully one day it won't be through fucking Zoom with no internet flags. Um, Hopefully one day we can get a drink. I'll, I'll be in LA soon enough, or you may be in britain who knows yeah hit me up hit me up uh you know I, I i love britain i haven't been there in quite a while but it's time oh if you come back over if you come to glasgow i can show you where tr- you can get cheap vodka oh perfect that's exactly pa- what pound i'll be looking shots. for pound shots <laughs> I, amazing I sign me up all the best places but thank you so much for coming on genuinely it means the absolute world to me and i hope that everything it gets better in la and that life gets back to normal because I'm, I'm getting pretty bored of it now Thank you. Me too, for you. Yes, everything, all of the links and everything that anybody listening at home needs will be in the show notes before. Where can everyone find you on social media? Oh, that's uh, Blaine Weaver, at Blaine Weaver, B-L-A-Y-N-E. That's Twitter and, you know, uh, Instagram, all that jazz. Um, And uh, BlaineWeaver.net if you want to go for a deep dive. (laughs) And anybody that wants to watch The In-Between, you can get that at www.inbetweenmovie 2019 dot com i nearly said 2020 there but with <laughs> well, it makes be, sense yeah it'll all be down in the description anyway i'm absolutely i'm so excited to see it and uh, thank you so much for coming on i'll let you get back to normal life Ingrid, thanks a lot it was a pleasure man. thank you have a good day take it easy bye
And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout completed. Episode 35 is in the bag. I've been Ingram Noble and I've been chatting to Blaine Weaver. That was genuinely one of the most stressful times of my life because my internet connection was so shit. But Blaine was one of the nicest people that I've ever met and was so lovely about it all. So Blaine, I'm really sorry for the really shitty Zoom connection. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It genuinely means the absolute world. And to all of you guys listening at home, again, it means the absolute world. I've said it multiple times now, but this podcast has been a light in the dark during this pandemic. Please make sure you are subscribed to Drama School Dropout so that you never miss a new episode when it hits the podcast shelves and if you are feeling extra generous please scroll down and leave us a little rating and a review it really helps the podcast it pushes us further up the algorithms and we can just make it a bigger and better place for everyone thank you so much guys for listening in remember if you have a story for stage right or stage shite you can email us by emailing drama school dropout pod at gmail.com and we'll get it and who knows your story might end up on the podcast thank you so much guys for listening in at home this is been episode 35 and next week i will be back same time same place every tuesday at 7 a.m the podcast hits the shelves i'll be joined direct from albert square by the one the only lorraine stanley who plays the amazing karen taylor in eastenders so we will be back 7 a.m next tuesday for another episode of drama school dropout roll the theme tune drama school dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout.